Hello, AP Governor. Welcome to your midterm review. So if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're not seeing me. Uh, and that means that the softball team has advanced uh, into Tuesday the 17th, and therefore I am not at school. Uh, so I do apologize for not being there to review with you in person. Um, hopefully this review. And I'm also going to um, try and have a Zoom session if you're interested in studying uh, Tuesday night. I'll post the information um, on eClass as to when and where, and I'll send it out by talking points as well. Uh, there's a chance the softball team plays at 2, 4, and 6, uh, so I wouldn't be getting home till later uh, in the evening on Tuesday, but uh, I will make a point to, to stay up and review on Zoom if anybody is interested. So uh, I'll put that out there uh, a little bit later. Okay, uh, but let's go over the review. So you, you have the review. You worked on it. Remember, it's going to be extra credit. So you can take some of the stuff I go over here if you haven't done it yet uh, and just follow along and fill in uh, as you go. Uh, all right. So let's get rolling. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration of Independence and Enlightenment Ideas. So remember that Thomas Jefferson is going to write the Declaration of Independence. Um, he will write this and a lot of the stuff uh, as far as the Declaration goes uh, comes from those enlightened thinkers. Uh Remember, the two big ones were John Locke, who's going to contribute the natural rights. Uh, and that is something that John Locke has said is right, the right to light, the, 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 I can't talk, the right to life, liberty, and property. And Jefferson will change it up uh, to the, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All right. And now this is a huge idea. Those natural rights that we all have, because those are things that uh, we still hold dear to this day. Uh, we don't just throw away people's natural rights, uh, you know, just without reason. So um, it's something to, to know and understand. Uh, the other thing that's going to show up in the Declaration of Independence is the, the separation of powers. So Baron Montesquieu had written about the fact that, hey, we shouldn't have one branch that's too powerful uh, and all those sorts of things. And so um, I shouldn't say branch. He wrote about how one person, you know, right as the monarchy goes, should not have all that power. And um, it's uh, it needs to be broken up. And therefore we had the branches, but it, it's an idea that was in the, um, in, that showed up in the declaration. Uh, James Madison of Fed 51. So uh, James Madison was a prolific writer. Okay. As far as the, the Federalist Papers goes. Uh, and remember we did the, the federal negative, which was a lot about uh, what's his name old uh, James Madison. And, um, you know, in Fed 51, uh, he's going to write about uh, really the, the basics of the structure of the government and how there's, there's checks and balances uh, and things like that. So that's the, the big idea uh, from that. And, I, and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly that there is uh, a quote or a passage from Fed 51. But if you can remember uh, that it was about the structure, about the checks and balances. And basically, the, you know, the fear was from the anti-federalist people. Hey, we're going to, we're not going to, we're going to have a, a, a too powerful government. We're going to have someone, an individual that takes control, takes power. And that's a concern of ours. And James Madison, like, well, you know what? I, I get you, but we can't under this government because we have this in place and this in place. And, and that is those checks and balances that comes with the separation of powers. Ways the Constitution can change. So the, the Constitution can change 
both formally and informally. So informally, uh, that can be uh, through <clears throat> court decisions um, is usually the big one uh, that can informally change it because the court makes a, ch- a, a decision and then you know it is going to alter the way we implement the Constitution. It doesn't really change the Constitution, but uh, the way we look at it, the way we use it, and those sorts of things does change. So it, that's that's an informal change. Uh, and then the, the official way it changes is through the the, the, the amendment process. And remember, that is where uh, you have a two-step process where there is a proposal and then a ratification. The proposal happens at the national level. And that's going to come from typically from our Congress. Uh, they will uh, pitch something and then talk about it, discuss it. And then if two thirds of the, the full Congress says yes, then that proposal moves on to the ratification process. The ratification process happens at the state level. So the states get a hold of it and every state legislature gets to debate it and talk about it and say yes or no. You need three fourths or 38 of the states to do that. The Constitutional Convention compromises, the big one is always going to be the Great Compromise. That's the one that combines the Virginia plan and the New Jersey plan. The Great Compromise, remember, is the one that sets up our two-house legislature. So they had uh, the, the plans for the legislature, and one of the plans called for the population to, to be the, the determining factor of how many representatives you get uh, in these the, in this congressional unit. Uh, and then the, the little states come back with the, the New Jersey plan saying, hey, let's do everybody gets the same amount because that's the fair way to do it. And uh, they eventually settled on combining the two. And so that gave us our two House legislature with the House and the Senate. Uh, then you have the three-fifths compromise. I think most everybody's pretty familiar with this. Remember that population was going to count for representation now and taxes. And so the South wanted their slave population to count for representation purposes, but not for taxes. And then vice versa from the North. The North wanted the, the slave population to count for uh, tax purposes, but not for representation. So there's the issue we're having, and they decide on they're going to count three-fifths of the slave population uh, towards both. All right. Uh, and then there's the Commerce Compromise, which deals with the, the, the tariffs that were happening and uh, the control of the, the slave trade. So the South, you know, didn't really want this big giant tariff that the North wanted because of uh, 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 the North wanted it because they were they did a lot of importing uh, and exporting. Uh, and the South didn't really want it because they were worried that it was going to be able to allow the federal government to, to control the, the slave trade. And so part that's part of the reason. Uh, that they they did this and it's, it's the one that also created the and said that hey uh, the federal government could not touch the, the slave trade until uh, 1808 so 20 years so those are the compromises uh, rights every rights every human has uh, you've you've we've said this as natural rights uh, federalists versus anti-federalists um, pretty I don't want to say it's simple but the federalists were for the big strong central government they were uh, okay with that and then the anti-federalists were against it. So uh, if you get a comparison of, of this or something like that uh, about the feds versus the anti-federalists, just remember, hey, big, strong central government versus uh, the states keeping their power. The, the anti-federalists were on board with changing the articles, but they wanted the states to keep the power. Republic versus democracy. Remember, a republic is just a representative-based uh, piece where we have uh, elected officials that make decisions for us. Democracy is just the way we go about picking them. 
Okay, so Republic and and you'll hear Republic and representative democracy is the same thing today. Uh, They used to try and really differentiate them, uh, but it's kind of the same thing at this point. But just remember, Republic is really where we elect officials to to make decisions for us versus the democracy, where that's how we are going to go out picking them. Separation of powers. uh, So we talked about this. Um, What is each branch responsible for? Uh, So the legislative branch writes the laws. The executive is going to enforce and the judicial is going to judge. All right. And so that's that's their responsibilities. First Amendment freedoms give examples from court cases. Um, So we did not go too much into uh, the court cases with our First Amendment discussion. Um, So I'm probably going to look at the test. And if there are court cases that you have to know, I'm probably going to take them off. So just be aware. Uh, that you're not going to have to be responsible for court cases that we did not go over and did not discuss. And we just really did the required court cases from some of our other pieces, like Color versus Maryland uh, and things like that. So uh, in looking at this, this is probably something I got to clean up. But uh, the First Amendment freedoms that we have are the right to uh, free speech, free press, free religion, uh, the right to petition, and the right to assemble. Um, so I'm not going to go over the court cases because, once again, uh, if there are court cases on this test uh, that come from the First Amendment. I'm going to take those off. Uh, let's see. Articles of Confederation and its ratification. So uh, this is kind of a weirdly worded uh, item. Um, this the, the articles uh, and the ratification. It's not really about that. It's about changing the articles, uh, if I remember correctly. And so uh, in order to get stuff done uh, for the articles, remember you needed to have uh, nine out of 13 states say, yes, we want to pass this. And then you have 13 out of 13 states say that, yes, we'll, we'll make changes to it. So uh, I'll confirm on the test and I, you know, it's, it's something I'll go over uh, right before the test if I need to. Uh, let's take a break and we'll be, I'll be right back uh, to go over the next few. Hello and welcome back. So we're picking up with number 11. So the structure of the government under the articles. Remember that there was a Congress and that was about it under the the Articles of Confederation. There was no executive. There was no president. There was no bureaucracy to enforce the laws. Uh, I apologize if you hear clicking. It's my dumb little dog running around. Whenever I start doing something like this, he starts to run around and get noisy. So he'll probably start barking here too because he's an annoying little menace. Anyways, um, yeah, that was it. There was no judicial branch. Remember, the, the courts were at the state level, and every state had their own court system. There was no federal judiciary at the time. Uh, the amendment process I've already gone over, but just as a reminder, there's the proposal and the ratification. The proposal happens at the national level. you got to remember the number two-thirds, the fraction two-thirds, uh, and then the three-fourths is the uh, approval at the state level. So uh, Congress can propose, or we could do a national convention. Remember, we don't do that because we already have Congress in place. And then once they propose it and they vote on it, two-thirds of Congress people have to say yes. If two-thirds say yes, then it goes to uh, the states, and the states have to say yes to it, or at least three-fourths of the no, which is 38. Federal grants. Remember, this is the way that the feds will try and control the states uh, through the money. And remember, you got two types of grants. You got categorical and you got block grants. Categorical grants, those are the ones that kind of come with some strings attached. So, hey, you're going to spend the money here and you're going to spend the money kind of how we want you to. The categorical grants, really need to remember, these are the ones that have a lot of 
federal control all right with the money the block grants those are the freer ones those are the ones where hey here's the money you spend it in this general area and you're going to be okay all right you don't have to necessarily uh spend it exactly you have to spend it in the areas uh that it's expected to be on you can't you know get a uh, hundred million dollars for this social program and then go out there and uh you know build some kind of uh, factory or something like that that has nothing to do uh with the other so you can't do that kind of stuff but as long as you're spending it in the area uh of the the, the government's kind of has an idea that they want this money spent in then you're in good shape Alrighty, but categorical grants, those are the ones that have strings attached. Uh, the other ones, the block grants, are a lot freer. Uh, U.S. versus Lopez in an older case that it had the same constitutional principle. What a vague review question, so I apologize for that. Uh, U.S. versus Lopez, this is the gun case. Remember, Lopez brought a gun to school, and he is going to uh, get caught and charged in the state of Texas. The federal government comes in and decides they want to charge him. And they're using the Commerce Clause to come in uh, and get involved. And they eventually get booted out. That's why it's U.S. versus Lopez, because Lopez is fighting the federal charges. And the Supreme Court eventually agrees with Lopez uh, and says the federal government has overstepped. That education, high school, has really nothing to do with um, the, the, the Commerce Clause. And so the case got booted. Uh, and now Lopez, as far as I know, was was charged in Texas. Uh, basically what had happened, he was bringing a gun to school to sell. All right. And so that's that's why the federal government was trying to get involved with the Commerce Clause, because it, it, it was involving the sale of the firearm. Uh, Article 6 of the Constitution, this is the Supremacy Clause. Remember, this states that the, the federal government is supreme to the states. Full faith and credit, privileges and immunities and extradition. So these are state to state things. Uh, full faith and credit. This is that the states are going to honor each other's stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean like court decisions, uh, licenses and things like that. All right. So like I tell you, every every time I've mentioned full faith and credit, I, I've told you I was an example because I got married in Florida for the first time, moved up to Georgia <coughs> and I did not have to get remarried. All right. I did not have to get I got divorced from my first wife here in Georgia. Did not have to go to Florida to sign any paperwork. It was just done. They honored the stuff. You know, same thing if you try and flee from paying uh, uh, some kind of, you know, maybe you break a contract, you owe child support or something like that, uh, you're going to have to to, to, play, to pay it. No matter what state you go to, uh, if the ruling is in one state, they're still going to honor it in every other state. Privileges and immunities just means you're going to be treated the same as any other citizen. So, you know, as a citizen of Georgia, you go down to Florida, there's there's no special rules for you. You're going to be treated the same uh, as a, basically a U.S. citizen. And then extradition, that's just an agreement between the states that they will work together. That if you commit a crime in one state, uh, run to another state and get caught, that they will probably take you back to the state that you did the initial initial. Uh, illegal thing. So I don't know if you followed or have been following the the four murders that took place out in I want to say Idaho on a college campus. You know, four young people were murdered. Uh, they eventually found the person they wanted to charge in Pennsylvania, and so Pennsylvania called them and sent them back to Idaho. I think it was for the uh, the actual charge. Uh, federal ma- federal mandates. Remember, these are the mandates that 
Um, uh, the mandates that. So these are the orders basically from the federal government. The federal government says, hey, you're going to do this states and they can be unfunded. They can be underfunded. Uh, unfunded means there's no money. All right. There is no money. So think of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. We talked about that in class, how the states had to go through and on their dime, go back and retrofit all the state government buildings and make sure there's handicap access. All righty. Uh, the underfunded just means, hey, here's a little bit of money, but not a great deal. Uh, Citizens United versus FEC. So Citizens United, remember, created the, the Hillary movie, the documentary that was going to, um, you know, kind of be, a, I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll say it's a, a hit piece on Hillary Clinton back in 2008-ish, seven, when she was getting ready to run for the, the primary uh, versus Barack Obama. And uh, the FEC got a hold of it because, first off, it violated some of the rules of the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, remember the McCain-Feingold Act, so it violated some of that. And it also uh, had involved Citizens United taking money from businesses and corporations. So remember that the Supreme Court is going to rule on the money, and they're going to say that the money is free speech, and that the corporations have the right and the ability to use their donations as a form of free speech. If you can remember that, you're typically going to be in pretty good shape. Social media and campaigns, just know that the candidates at, at almost every level is going to use social media. All right, You're probably going to see uh, on your social media some, um, some politicians uh, writing uh, posts and, and encouraging you to vote for them, encouraging you to vote uh, and things like that. It's just it's a changing um dynamic with with elections and politics and all that kind of stuff uh the fact that these candidates are using uh those 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 tools uh how interest groups gain influence so remember there's a couple of ways that they'll gain influence uh one of those is going to be uh you know the money and the donations uh the campaign stuff remember that interest groups are going to give uh, a good chunk of money to mostly incumbents because the incumbents are the ones that have voted for them, with them, uh, done things, helped them, you know, uh, and that sort of stuff in the past. So they're going to give money. So that's that's one way that they gain influence. It's not the main way. It's not the only way. Because like I said, um, and I'm sorry, my dog is now choking and coughing. So if you hear that, that's all that is. Perfectly fine. Just there. They were crazy little animals. Anyways, um, interest groups are weird in that politicians need their support. They want their support, but they also don't want to be seen as giving into these interest groups. So a lot of times they'll they'll take the money and that sort of stuff, but they don't want to be seen as as being in bed with those 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 groups because we as citizens as constituents uh, don't want to see our politicians as being beholden to an interest group. Now, an interest group will also use lobbying. Now, remember, lobbying has a kind of a stigma attached to it where, oh, it's all these, you know, bribes and, and that sort of stuff. And and I'm not saying that doesn't happen. OK, I, you know, I can't confirm that it does. But, you know, I'm sure that there are some Congress people up there that are shady and are willing to take, you know, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, an envelope that is stuffed with cash. You know, they're willing to, to take things like that. I, I don't think there's probably many because if word got out at this point, 
you know, you're done for as a politician if you're found to be taking bribes and things like that. Uh, but lobbyists act as advisors to an extent. They are experts, remember? And so Congress people will use that to their advantage and they'll use them to help them uh, and you know build legislation or ask questions about legislation that they're not sure of. Uh, so it is a working relationship. You know, to be a lobbyist, you're, you're probably not going to you graduate from college with absolutely no experience and no contacts in Washington, D.C. or the state that you're going to try and uh, lobby and, and become a successful lobbyist. You're going to have to really work your way up. You're going to want to work in the government and build those relationships so that when you do become a lobbyist, then you have that, the ability to go talk and speak to these uh, politicians and you have that working relationship with them. All right, political parties versus interest groups. You've seen this type of question before. Remember, uh, political parties want to run the government. They want to control the government uh, with their policies. Interest groups, they just want to influence the government. They don't want to try and run it. Remember, political parties are very broad. They have to worry about everything versus interest groups, which only have to worry about just a few things. All right, let's take one last break here, and uh, we'll come back and wrap this thing up. And welcome back. Let's finish this review up. So we left off uh, with number 21, the political parties versus interest groups. Uh, we're picking up with number 22, the roles of the political party. So remember the roles of the political parties has really changed over the years. Uh, you know, right now, let's concentrate on first off what they do, and then we'll concentrate on how they've changed. So remember, they're going to do a couple things. They're going to mobilize us as voters. And mobilization happens through encouraging us to register, helping us to register, letting us know when uh, elections are, letting us know when the issues are. Uh, so just that kind of grassroots idea of let's get the people, let's get the people uh, the information they need to go out and make informed decisions. All right. Uh, they're also going to assist with campaigns. They're going to give money. They're going to run commercials and do that kind of stuff. They're going to support their candidates uh, as best they can usually. Uh, they will also recruit candidates. Remember, uh, we've talked about that several times now at this point. Uh, they will recruit people that they think can be successful uh, at the, you know, maybe at the national level at some point, but you're going to have to start at the local level. All right. And so those are probably the big things they do. Now they are changing because remember political parties are losing influence. And part of the reason they're losing influence is, well, first off, less and less people are identifying with the Republicans and Democrats. They're just they're kind of uh, leaving the party uh, for whatever reason. A lot of it is they're just frustrated with the parties and, and um, you know how they're going about their business. Uh, the other part uh, is that remember you know we talked about primaries and caucuses and how we get to pick the Republican nominee and we get to pick the Democrat nominee when there's an option uh, for uh, the presidency. And so whereas it used to be a really party centric choice and decision about who was going to be the candidate for the Republicans and the, the Democrats. Now we get to pick. And so the parties are really out of that. Uh, media and citizens demand for information. Just remember that we are, um, we want information. And that's why there's so many 24 hour news cycles that are out there. Uh, I might actually take this question out because we didn't really go into the media in this unit. We, it, it, it was kind of a part of it, but it's a very, very, very small part. So I usually skip over it. So I might take this out. Uh, I'll let you know uh, later on. Perspective, retros retrospective and rational choice. So perspective voting is voting for who you think is going to do the best for the country. All right. So, hey, I think in the future, this person is going to be really successful and really help out uh, the country. 
a lot. Retrospective is looking at the recent past. So what's been going on? You know, if I go to the voting booth and, you know, had I gone from the Great Depression, you know, into 1932, uh, I'm thinking, hey, this person, Herbert Hoover has been so bad. There's no way I'm voting for that person. I don't care who's running. I'm not voting for him again. Um, that would be retrospective. And the rational choice is what's going to be best for me? You know, me as an individual. Uh, the 24th Amendment. All right. So we went through the voter right amendments. We had the 15th, the 17th, 19th, and then we had the 24th and the 26th. The 24th, remember, uh, this is the one that got rid of the uh, poll taxes. So it said you cannot have poll taxes. Um, and so it's going to increase voter participation, remember, uh, because now more people are able to go out there and vote and not have that barrier uh, in place. Uh, 26, why is there more turnout in presidential elections than in midterms? So we talked about this very briefly, but just remember that people really focus in on that presidential election. It is what most people think is the most important election because they got to pick the, the president and they got to pick the right president. Alrighty. And so people are going to show up for the presidential elections when there is not a president on the ballot. So in the midterms, so 2022 was a midterm election, uh, there was less turnout because people aren't going to turn out to vote for their congresspeople because they don't view them as important. Democratic ideologies, Republican ideologies. I think you've seen this question before. Uh, but remember, Democrats are going to be left-leaning. Uh, Republicans are going to be right-leaning. Uh, Democrats are uh, going to be the, the liberal. And then the Republicans are going to be the conservative. Okay. Um, and just remember some of the things, uh, Democrat, uh, is going to, you know, typically be for more, uh, larger government. Um, and a lot of that just comes from the, the, the policies that they're trying to create, to, to protect individuals and, and some of the, the social, uh, policies that they are creating your typical, typical Republican, you know, conservative, uh, is going to, you know, they're going to say small government. Uh, I don't know if that's even a possible at this point uh, in our, you know, where we're at in the country to have a smaller government. Uh, but that's what they're going to say. Uh, and remember, they're more about the group uh, than they are necessarily uh, the individual. All right. Uh, let's see. Balance of public safety and civil liberties. So we've, we've talked about this and uh, it is something that is very difficult uh, to weigh as a government. Okay, because you're trying to protect the, the, the group while also protecting us as individuals. All right. And so the question becomes, at what point are we willing to give up our individual liberties to keep the group safe? And, you know, I've always used the, the school example of, you know, if we were to get into a situation where you had to go through a metal detector, and be subject to a search to come into the school because there were so many weapons uh, in our school, would it be okay to give up your individual right, your individual civil liberty uh, to no unlawful search and seizure to, to submit to those searches if it kept the school safe? And so that's the question we have to weigh there. And, and we can look at any of the civil liberties that, that are out there, free speech, free press, free religion. Uh, and we have to, to, to question, uh, you know, the balance of public safety. You know, at what point is it okay for an individual to give up their individual right to make sure that everybody is safe? Um, and so you know, think about someone uh, that's being put in prison. You know, we're fixed to take away their 
right to freedom, alrighty, there's civil liberty, um, and but is it okay to put somebody in jail for life if it's going to keep society safe? And so it's a question that really has to weigh heavily uh, on the government. Libertarians, remember, they are okay with the government. They want to have the basic government to provide the basic services that they should provide. But after that, it's up to us as individuals to make choices. And so uh, we as individuals should be making most of the choices. Uh, Marijuana, why is the government telling you you can't do that? Abortion, why is the government telling you you can't or can't do that? And so that's that's their idea. Uh, the conservative versus the liberal already did that with the Democratic and the Republican ideology. So I'm not going to spend time there. I'm pretty sure I took off the Wisconsin versus Yoder and Engel versus Vitale case because I uh, we didn't go over those in this unit. We'll go over them in the fifth unit, which is civil liberties and civil rights. So um, I will make sure that they're off the test. Political socialization. Remember, that is where you get your political ideologies from. It is usually family. That's the number one answer. Uh, passing on. Uh, they're basically political beliefs to you. Public opinion polls, remember, these are going to be run uh, to gather or gain information about our public opinion, about what we think about the issues of the day. Uh, There are no end inside of of issues and and things happening, and we're living through historical times all the time now. And so there's public opinion about almost everything that's happening. Think of any current event you can think of, and there's a public opinion for it. And so polls will be run for that, and that will, you know, they'll tell us, hey, this is what the the public thinks. Uh, Politicians will run these for themselves, remember those tracking polls where they're trying to get an idea and a feel for what their constituents want, need, and all that kind of stuff. So public opinion polls get ran for all kinds of things. Remember, to be a valid poll, you really want a random sample. Uh, You don't want to have uh, a slanted poll because then is it really valid if you have, you know, uh, everybody from one side uh, answering. So you don't want that. Uh, you want to watch out for the the error. Remember that margin of error because, hey, if it's a high number, that means that the number you're seeing in the poll could be a very, very different number. So we want s- small numbers. And then the Articles of Confederation versus the Constitution, uh, you'll have the weaknesses of the articles and then you'll have the fixes in the Constitution. So like no executive branch, and then the Constitution fixed it with uh, a executive branch. So uh, that's the, the question that you'll be seeing. And I, and I think you've seen um, several of these questions uh, throughout the semester in both tests and quizzes. Uh, so keep that in mind. All right. Uh, so if you've made it this far, congratulations. Uh, you don't get anything, but congratulations for actually listening through this whole thing. Uh, I feel for you. Um, anyways. So you'll be working on the, the midterm review in class tomorrow because uh, I think a lot of you were doing test corrections and, and probably spent uh, a good deal of time on those on Monday. So you'll have the whole class period on Tuesday to work on your midterm review. You can finish up your test corrections as well if you need to. All right. Uh, I will try and have a Zoom. It just depends on how far and how, how much the softball team plays on Tuesday. Um, you know, we played at 6 o'clock on Monday night and we didn't get home until like 10 o'clock. So uh, I will be on Zoom, though. I'll get on Zoom at 1030 if I need to, uh, just to answer questions or to help you out as much much as I can because I wasn't in class. All right, guys, uh, best of luck. Take care, and I'll see you in class on Wednesday for sure. All right, bye-bye.